Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners prepare for exit so you can maximize value and exit on your terms. This is the Exit Insights podcast presented by Succession Plus and Capitalize. I'm Daryl Bates-Brownsort and today I'm talking to Drake Cyphers. Drake exited his, his business, he sold it in 2020, so uh, interesting timing. Welcome Drake, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Hey, my pleasure. Drake, um, as someone who's sold their business, I'm sure you've got a lot to share and, um, and and a lot of experience. So can you just start out by just giving us a little bit of background, set the scene for your business, what it was, and um, and uh, we'll jump in and I've got a few questions from there. Sure. So we were a wireless internet service provider. Um, I was building a luxury RV park at a remote location and the internet was awful. It was, it was kind of millennial hell. I had to drive 10 minutes just to make a phone call. The internet was awful everywhere. And it, it got me thinking, I was like, there have to be other places like this where the internet is this bad. And so there's a problem. I can probably provide a solution. There's a business there. Um, although actually at that time I was, I had a friend who, uh, who was in telecommunications and I called him and I was like, Hey man, you should look into this might be something. Well, fast forward a few years later, he had been working on a few, uh, <clears throat> he'd been working on it, but couldn't really get it off the ground. So he invited me to come in and help him. And so I, uh, stepped in, redid some of the marketing and advertising materials. And then went on the road show to pitch people, landed some angel investment and we were off to the races. So Exciting. it was, yeah, so it was a, it was a, a, a start. It wasn't anything that I'd had any background in. So there was a steep learning curve for me. Um, but, uh, you know, we started off just like we kind of started out with a bang and, you know, we're going and growing you know, reasonably well, but, you know, our burn rate was a little bit higher than it needed to be. So we had some shifting, some changes, rebuilt some, a few things here and there, and then, uh, you know, like any startup that, that raises money, you gotta, gotta get to profitability. And so, uh, so that had me, you know, in the trenches, grinding, trying to, to grow and compete with the other, uh, multi-billion dollar internet service providers that were competing with us. So it was kind of like, uh, David and Goliath cave match every day. Um, but we, uh, you know, we're, we're successful. We were taking market share and. Uh, then COVID hit, and we had a very, we had a completely different experience than than most businesses in COVID. We actually got way busier uh, because internet traffic tripled. And my uh, my internet service provider, my my goal had always been to build in the capacity ahead of time so that you know we could handle when we had when we were bigger. And um, and so rather than eking along, I worked. Probably, I think it was 110 hours the first seven days of lockdown, and just to get the network ready for everything that was coming. And our network was the only one that could handle uh, the crazy increase in volume uh, that everyone was facing. And uh, you know, we had positioned ourselves as the uh, really high-quality service, and so we were a little bit more. Uh, we were the most expensive in the market, and but we actually delivered on our promises. And when, you know, your work, your kid's school and everything is riding on your internet connection, you become very price insensitive and you just want somebody that you know is going to handle it. You don't want to wait three hours on, on the phone for somebody. You want somebody you can call and get it fixed right away. And that was us. So we ended up growing, 
we grew, I think it was 80% for the calendar year of 2020. And we grew about 50% before I sold it. And so for me, I was looking at it going, there's uh, looking at where the market is going. We're, we're well positioned right now in this current moment, but over the next one, two, three years, fiber is going to come in. And so we were a wireless internet service provider and there are certain limitations with that. There are certain benefits to it, but I knew that fiber was what was coming. And so I kind of had my head on a swivel going, I either need to go raise another few million dollars to build this out myself or I need to exit. And so I began the process of looking at uh, other regional players um, who had won some government money to expand into uh, who were looking to expand into our area. And I just approached all of them and said, hey, if I were you and I was in your position, I'd rather buy this um, than come in and start it from scratch and then have to compete with me. And in the area that we were at, it was going to be it was a small rural area. And so it was also unlikely that they were going to be able to find um, someone like me to be able to manage uh, their expansion. And so I used uh, I used the quality of our network and a little bit of, you know, hey, I'll come work for you for a little bit to uh, negotiate everything. No earn out or anything like that, but we uh, ended up consummating the deal. So that's a little brief history. All right, so there's a real brief history. So from a business strategy perspective, small niche player servicing a, a local marketplace, um, priding itself on high quality service, you, know, you, you talk to a local person, we'll look after you, we'll get it sorted quickly, you know, almost relationship, personal relationship status. So using that approach to eliminate, you know, or, or, or go into bat against the, the the big national players who have just got a reputation of zero customer service, um, if you can ever get through to them. Um, so so there's the, the competition perspective. The business started from, you know, a classic, you know, see a gap in the market where where there's a need so necessity being the mother of all invention if no one else is going to fix this well let's do it ourselves even though you had no background in in the industry is that yeah okay so when did you start it drake like what sort of time period are we talking within 2017 um 2016 2017 um, okay, i think so the starting... network went live i think the network went live may of 2017 Okay, so so from go to woe in in a few short years. Mm -hmm. Okay, and when it came to you, you got investors on board, so it was a business that had some some significant startup costs, so you needed to get some investors to help out. Um, how did that relationship work? They they just provided money. Did they bring expertise? You know, how did you work with your investors? Uh, it was it was weekly calls. Um, so my investor, honestly, is probably the the absolute best thing that that came out of the entire business was the relationship with, with my investor. So he had, he had started uh, his company. It was a, they did software and it was portfolio risk management. And so they ended up starting, ended up going public and they ended up selling for one and a half billion dollars. So the guy was super high caliber and, you know, getting, I had weekly calls with him. And so I've, I'm a pretty, intelligent and articulate person i've never been stumped so many times in my life with questions and so it was it was just really amazing to get to you know kind of iron sharpens iron with someone like that um and so you know i just saw him yesterday morning and you know we're long since 
you know, I paid him off and everything. So, um, you know, we just became really, really good friends. And so that was, that was a great, great relationship, but it was also, um, I mean, it wasn't just a, a friendship relationship at all. It was definitely, you know, investor and person who's, who's in the trenches grinding. And so just asking questions, getting, answering questions from him, getting, um, getting some guidance. And a lot of it was him just making sure that, you know, we're on the right track, we're, we're headed the direction we're supposed to be, um, just to, just to make him feel at ease with, with, you know, where he had invested his money. And so, but it was, it was right around weekly calls. So your investor didn't have an executive in the business role, but he was very much involved in mentoring, guiding, and, and just keeping eyes on his investment, uh, basically. Yeah. Uh, but all the same, but, at the same time, yeah, yeah uh, so, so mentoring and guiding you, but you are learning a heck of a lot from this guy who had a wealth of experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and, and still going. Okay, so when he invested, how did the equity work? What were the equity arrangements? Um, Originally, so originally I was, uh, he came in for 30% equity stake. Um, I was actually the minority partner um, when the business first started um, with my, my other partner. Um, as, uh, as the business grew, um, you know, when we hit you know, different bumps in the road, the amount of work that I was doing uh, compared to my other business partner dramatically shifted. Um, and so I ended up buying him out. And so then I became the majority shareholder and then the investor was at 30%. So we just gave a stake, a stake in the business. So it was a stake, a stake in a convertible note um, with the option to uh, transfer into uh, preferred shares. Okay. And you bought your partner out? I bought, I bought my partner out, but the investor stayed. Yeah. Okay. So it was just the two of you in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So building the business and 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 yeah, how many people were involved in the business uh, when you exited it? I fluctuated by the time I had exited. Um, you know, going through COVID, employment was kind of weird. You know, insurance was kind of weird when you're sending people into houses. So it was it was main. It was just me. Uh, it was me. A uh, I had a consultant to handle some of the higher end technical stuff that was a bit beyond me. And then uh, my office workers. So we were just we were blowing and going as a as a small front. Okay. So so and are you able to share just magnitude of sort of what size annual revenue you guys were talking about for the business? I I can't I can't go okay. into yeah. So yeah, not looking at per- what about profitability? It, it, it was highly profitable. Was it more than sort of average for for the industry? Do you know? If I would say so the debt load um, that we had on paying, paying stuff back um, if we had not if we had had a little bit lower debt load we would have been really really profitable um, we were um, we were comfortably profitable I don't remember the actual percentage um, but I was I was in a period of accelerating debt pay down I think I had paid off um, I had paid off probably 30 percent of the debt just within 2020. Um, and so we were we were on a pretty hefty ramp up, um, like I said, with the growth. I mean, you grow eighty percent in a year, and cash flow is coming. But the so managing the cash flow is, is a little bit interesting because I had a seven month payback period on any new customer, and so a lot of it was you know we were all we were self funding our growth um, completely yeah. with cash. So to have that kind of a cash ramp up while having a seven month payback 
was you can see the cash machine was 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 pretty tight um and so uh, so that was you know when when you're having that kind of growth rate and the demand is just kind of pulling you along instead of optimizing for profitability i was optimizing for growth and uh, growth and positioning us um, because uh, internet service providers are the the way that they're valued the valuation is done off of gross uh, gross revenue instead of on profitability and okay. so yeah so optimizing for EBITDA wasn't uh, wasn't the primary goal in that period of time because it was mainly just to get to a certain critical mass so that we were able to actually achieve what we needed to on on an exit because I knew I knew that this wasn't, you know, I'd, I'd done the thing, I'd created the business, but it wasn't, I knew this wasn't going to be my, my life's, my life's work. It wasn't, uh, I didn't feel some sort of, you know, emotional attachment to the thing. I had always built it knowing that this will, this will probably end up being sold. Okay. So knowing that the business is valued or the valuation is based on the revenue, you just knew you needed to scale up the revenue side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seven month payback on, on client acquisition. Um, what was the average client retention? Do you, do, do you know that number? So we were, we had a uh, 15% churn, which sounds yeah. really high, um, except for the fact that we were living in a college town. So the town was 14,000 and 7,000 of those stu- those people move away every year. Right. And so the whole town had a 50% churn rate and the fact that we only had a 15% churn rate was incredible, um, considering that, you know, like I said, half the population moves away. Okay. And so because, we had very sticky customers compared to a lot of the other seasonalities that, that the other uh, yeah. people went. So college students had come in, they'd become customers for three years, they'd stick with you, then, then they'd, they'd burn. So, so in all likelihood, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd surpass a seven-month um, period, keep them for another 18 months potentially, and then move on. Yeah. Okay. And then so the, you... the other thing, well, the other thing that was important too is so the traditional, uh, the traditional wireless internet service provider, a lot of times they're going into single family homes. And yeah. so with a single family home, you know, you have one antenna, one router, one cable run, um, and that's connecting to a tower that is connecting to multiple people. Um, what I did, which was different than what most wireless internet service providers did, is I had had a, a background in real estate development. And so I went and I looked at uh, a lot of the apartment complexes. And with an apartment complex, you have you know one building or a few buildings with lots of people. And you can actually set up, instead of going from you know a wide shot to a, multiple antennas, you can go one-to-one and get a lot more bandwidth. And so I'm able to do, it's a more expensive, it's a more expensive connection, but I get that connection. I wire it down into some, uh, a switch and now I'm just running cable to everything. So I'm able to get much more bandwidth, much more bandwidth, dramatically lower cost. Um, I would have, I would have one or two month break evens on the apartments. And so I leaned in heavily on that and with developing relationships with the property owners who didn't like how contractors for the other internet service providers would leave cable all over the place so i had actually you know had multiple agreements where we were the exclusive provider and we could compete on a lot of different metrics with incredible profitability and being able to offer comparable speeds um, at a really competitive price on a lot of the departments 
Okay. And so some of it was a little bit of innovation in, in that aspect that allowed us to, to do things and penetrate uh, areas that other wireless internet service providers couldn't, um, but we can actually compete with the big boys on whatever uh, the metrics were in that, in that aspect, yeah. while coupling that with higher than better service than what they were able to provide. Yeah, so promising better service, being the local player, being the David against Goliath is, uh, you know, we all love the, the underdog. Um, scaled up the revenue fairly quickly, um, knew that you, know, you, you got it to a size where, and a valuation that you, you know, thought was quick, yeah, uh, acceptable. Then you could see that you know, things were changing in the industry and uh, cable was coming in. So you've gone, that's in the future, really need some, some yeah, capital behind me to, to take that to the next level. We can either do that ourselves or we can get a bit, you know, be acquired by a bigger business. And then you said something really quite interesting, Drake, around how you, um, you know, you'd made the decision. So that, that led to your decision to go, look, you know, we've taken this as far as we need to. It, it, it's probably going to be in better hands from here on. And you've gone, OK, so I want someone to acquire us. I guess you, you've gone, I can look at one of the big, big guys. You know, I could go to one of them or I could bring in another slightly bigger, but still a local player. And, and you've gone, you know, for our town, if our town is the next town on from those guys, for those guys, we're a strategic acquisition. But if it were for the big players, we'd, you know, they just swallow us up and it'd just be another, you know, you know, just a few more customers for them. And, and you know, ultimately, the, you know, all of your existing customers lose whatever they had in the past. So you went direct yourself and approached a couple of acquirers and sort of you gave them the strategy as to why they would want to acquire you. Yeah, How did yeah. they respond to that? <laughs> well, it was, you know, it was interesting. I think some of it was uh, less about them not thinking about the strategy and more just about my willingness to 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 play ball. Um, yeah. You know, I when I was talking to to some of the there were most of the people that I talked to um, were coming in from out of state, so we're in Oklahoma. Texas is, you know, our next door neighbor, and uh, it was a lot of the it was the Texas ISPs that I was that I was looking at um, because they're getting ready to do a multi-state expansion. Um, for a lot of wireless internet service providers, they aren't at a meaningful enough size um, to where the exit will dramatically impact their life to where they can uh, retire for some of the smaller players. Now, even though I was in, you know, even though I was in that that same boat, I have a skill set to where I, you know, I've had multiple startups, multiple companies. I can do, you know, my skill set can be applicable in, in most industries. And so I'm not concerned about what I'm going to do next. I'm just going to go start something else and, you know, do the same thing, do this all over again. But for them, uh, for some of my adjacent, very adjacent neighboring uh, neighboring competition they weren't as open to an exit because they don't know what they're going to do next and they don't want to work for anybody. So I'm going the next step up the ladder to the people that are bigger than them who do have something that's meaningful and can have a meaningful exit. And so as an acquisition, you know, they're acquiring some somebody like me and I'm you know, maybe 10% of, of their gross annual revenue. Um, but I fit in really well uh, with strategically within the area that they have to cover. Okay. So. And yeah, so that 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 kind of answers the question as to, to yeah. how I was looking at the market and picking my 
who to, who to go to. Yeah. So, so you did effectively, you know, it's a good example of understanding your competitors and who are, who are the other players in the market. So you've you've known what the the, the valuation formula is for, for your industry, um, and so you've approached these guys. Did you offer them a price? Did you put a price on the table and go, look, you can have me for for this much, or did you? you know, how did how did the the agreement of valuation come about? Once you'd you know, got got some interest from them, I I didn't really throw. I don't remember throwing out a number. Um, a number right away because I knew how stuff was valued. Um, usually within the multiple, you're looking at uh, 0.7 to 1.3 times gross revenue. Yeah. And so I knew that I should be on the high side of that. Um, but I wanted to get everybody at the table, you know, sitting down and let them actually see what I have because, um, because if I just try and start to negotiate on price, then they're not going to be able to actually see what I've built, the value, um, yeah. the, the the metrics, the internal numbers that show that we're actually, um, you know, aside from our debt load, we are, um, you know, you take debt out of it, you know, then we're, you know, we're, we're going to be profitable and we're going to be a really strong jumping off point for them. So I didn't lead with a number, um, but I figured I, I was very confident that once they actually looked at what we had going, that they would see how that was going. And two, if I could get them into a conversation, we were growing fast enough, and this is how the the uh, how the negotiations played out. Um, where uh, they would the the person that ended up buying us, you know, we would talk about you know talk about the different metrics and the different goals, and be like, you know, you'd be like, well, you know, we see this, I think we should get a discount for that. And I was like, all right, cool, that's fine, and um, I can totally totally give you that discount, and um, because we're you know paying a certain price per customer. Um, that's great. I'm going to need about two weeks to to think about uh, just make sure with my investor, you know, work through the numbers, make sure I can do that. Um, but during those two weeks um, at our current growth rate, you'll pay the same amount no matter what. Because we're growing so fast that whatever discount you want, I'll, the longer the longer I wait, the more expensive I get because yeah. we are very well positioned to do this. So you're offering me money, but I'm still growing. At, you know, I'm growing at a rate that it's whatever you come back at me with, um, it's going to, in two weeks, we're going to be, you know, right where we are. And so one of the big things that's important with an internet service provider is you're looking at the actual infrastructure of the network, um, all the equipment, the age of the equipment, uh, the capacity of the equipment and how, how those are. So um, how much am I going to have to come in and redo? And so what are, what's my CapEx going to be on actually fixing up this acquisition? That's how most things go, because most people um, are trying to milk everything, you know, down to down to the, the bare bones minimum. I was not that way. Um, if something looked like it wasn't working, I was just swap it out, replace it brand new. And so that that gave me a lot of leverage um, because they knew that they weren't going to have to forklift anything um, and completely change anything. In fact, they grew. Like like I mentioned before, they grew 30% after they acquired me without any major capital and expenditures. And so they're getting ready to come dump money into this area anyway. And so to have a strategic growth point, while I'm not having to spend a whole bunch of CapEx to grow your revenue, I mean, you can pay for the entire purchase by having that kind of growth just afterwards. So yeah. a lot of it was positioning it so that I'm in the head of, I'm in their heads going, if I were in this position, what would I want? 
Yeah, you make a really important point there, Drake, because uh, if the business valuation is is based on a profit rather than a revenue, you know, it's tempting for the owners to delay any maintenance or capital expenditure and, and, and draw out their assets to make their profits look better. And um, so you didn't do that. So you could put together an argument to go, look, you're not going to have to replace any equipment. It's all within you know, a, a decent age spec. It's all well maintained. Um, it, it's all looking good. So. When you went to the market, you 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 instead of just going out with a, a number, you you sort of ex- got some expressions of interest, so to speak. Uh, did you get how many players did you get uh, express interest or show interest in in what you had? I think we had. It was I'm trying to remember. I think it was between three and five. Right. So so you had some competitive tension there, some bidding tension. You didn't have all your eggs in one basket. You showed them, you know, the value of the proposition effectively. You know, your business is now a, a proposition for sale and sort of said, here's the value. Here's what we've built. Here's the quality of it. You tell me what you think it's worth and, you know, we can start a conversation there. Did anyone try and push you or into exclusivity, a, a negotiation of exclusivity? Not really. Um, not really. And, and you know, to be fair, I had, you know, I had three to five people interested. Um, I had three to five people interested, so there was there was a little bit of rough competition, um, but it wasn't it wasn't super intense competition where you know I'm fielding multiple offers. Um, however, everybody knew that I was talking to other people, so it wasn't. Um, there were some offers, there were some mobile offers, but you know those get those get dropped off those get dropped off really really quickly and. Um, you know, we had one person. They were once they honed in, they were just full steam ahead, trying to trying to close this. They saw it, and they saw the numbers, they saw the equipment, they saw the growth rate, and you know they were like, "This this needs to happen." And so, um, even though they threw out some some different things to try and try and take back or try and drop the price, once again I was able to kind of kind of negotiate around that, and that didn't deter. Um, that didn't deter them from wanting to purchase because you see a growth rate. I mean, if you can buy a business that's growing at that accelerated rate, where you're, yeah. you know, you're growing, you know, almost 10% a month, you're, you know, you want to hop on that train and capture that. And it's just an easy ar- financial arbitrage at that point um, to go, what's my cost of capital and what, you know, how quickly are they growing? Yeah. What's my scale of, you know, I can purchase this equipment for cheaper than he's doing it. And I can also get an employee who will run it for you know a year or two afterwards. And so, and and every delay is costing them money because the the value mm-hmm. is going up. So, mm-hmm. how long did the whole process take? I think I would say I think it was two or three months. Two or three months. Two well, months. to to do you mean do you mean the the negotiations with them or the entire process of selling? Once you decided to sell, what was the time frame between you'd made this decision, you you, you started to actively go out to market and close the deal? Six months, I think. Six months. So that's pretty quick. Yeah. So pretty sharp. Okay. Yeah. And and what did you learn along the way, Drake? What what you know from from the beginning of the process, what you thought would happen compared to how it actually played out? You know, I I was I was really blessed that it went. Honestly, it was a little bit easier than I thought it would be, um, which it was a bit crazy to be uh, to be doing the work to facilitate that growth while negotiating the sale of it. Um, 
you know, it was, it was, it was some pretty, pretty heavy days, but um, some of it had come from the fact that I was, I knew I was going to sell it. And so I'm, you know, I'm not having to put together a data room while this is all happening. I'm, you know, I'm managing the books. I'm looking at this going, I'm setting this up so anybody can come in and look at it and see what's going on. Um, I had some of my office, my office workers, you know, preparing, this is what people are going to look at. We need to be preparing inventory sheets. And so some of it was just being pretty well prepared for it. Um, but as far as what I learned, um, probably the biggest thing that I learned was just because someone is a lot bigger than you doesn't necessarily mean that they have uh, the, I thought I'm selling to a much bigger company. And so there'll be all these experts who can help me accomplish what I think needs to happen in the market. Um, and uh, I learned that, no, I'm actually pretty good at this stuff. Um, just because somebody's bigger, there's a variety of variables that play into why someone may or may not be bigger, especially when you're looking at something that is mainly uh, a geographic play. Um, and so uh, that's that was probably the thing I learned most is bigger does not always mean uh, better or more, uh, you know, with more expertise. Um, yeah. And so it was it was nice a nice confidence boost for for me looking at it yeah. and being able to fit into the bigger organization some. Um, but for the next thing that I have, uh, I, I have that, that mindset and that, that tweak of going, you know, I, I, I'm pretty good at what I do and I can, I can do yeah. this at, at all sorts of levels. So great confidence boost. So Drake, what about the deal structure? Are you able to talk about how the structure was, you know, built and, and, and what your roles were after that and commitments and what have you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, we had a seller finance. And so there's a seller note with a down payment of what's down payment out? Uh, I think it was like 15% or something like that, uh, 15, 10 to 15% down. Um, seller finance, seller carry on the rest of it. Um, my so that was just on the business. So the business was a separate that was a separate sale. Um, nothing. There was no uh, no hidden contingencies or anything. That was something I didn't want. There was no earnout. Um, nothing was based on actual performance. Um, and then I negotiated a separate uh, employment uh, employment contract, um, which gave me a percentage of gross revenue uh, over uh, a percentage of gross revenue. Um, so I was incentivized to to carry it forward and continue with the growth. So, so I think that's worth restating it that. So you sold the business for a fee with with no earnout requirement, did the deal for the business sale. And then in a separate conversation, you said, hey, look, I'm available. If if you want me to keep driving the business and, and continue on this growth path, you know, I've, I've got the history, I'm your man. Um, I'll come and work for you with and you pay me a, a proper salary and a proper incentive bonus as a separate deal. Yep. Well done. That that to me is the is the golden you know, example of, of what we want as a as a as a business that's exit ready that's prepared for exit and to me that's exiting on your terms. Um, you went out and found the buyer. You did the deal. You negotiated. Did did a couple of great negotiations by the sounds of it. Well, and for anybody listening, it's not like I just magically have these skills. Um, when you know when we're in COVID, when you know doing crazy amounts of work. Some of it was installations, doing installations myself, doing tower climbing myself, 
um, I'm afraid of heights. And so I'm climbing 150 foot cell phone towers, just, just gritting through, you know, as, as much as I can. But what that did allow me is, you know, in these times of, of very, you know, unprecedented, uh, you know, scarcity and you know, think people are scared and concerned. I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of this work myself. I, that's not this most kind of intellectually stimulating work. And so I'm listening to uh, like built to sell podcast and business books on three X speed while I'm doing these installations going, if I'm going to do this, I need to, I need to supercharge my knowledge so that I have exposure to as many deals as I can get without actually having been a part of those deals. And so if anybody who is, you know, I was able to do it myself just because I had, you know, done so much research on it. Um, but whether it's whether it's doing that or whether it's you know getting an expert involved, like this was not just this was not just oh Drake's, you know, Drake's special, Drake did this. No, there was tons of research and tons of work that went into preparing so that I knew what some of the pitfalls would be. What are the pitfalls of internet? Because I didn't, if I hadn't heard uh, of horror stories about how that could turn out, then um, you know that could have been something that I agreed to do. If I didn't realize that, uh, if I hadn't realized, you know, oh, I'm growing, that makes me a very valuable, that makes me a pretty girl at the ball. Um, you know, if I didn't know that, if I hadn't done the research and actual work to, to try and cultivate that knowledge, then you know, it could have gone a very, very, very different way. And so anybody that's listening, like there are tons of resources out here, like, you know, like, like you who help people with this um, and, and this podcast and other podcasts that you can go and you can even just pre-educate yourself so that when someone comes and talks to you, um, when someone comes and talks to Daryl, they, they already have like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of in the mold of, of thinking about this and, and preparing some for it. Yeah. So the secret to exiting on your terms is 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 the groundwork beforehand. So you you're prepared. You're on the front foot. You know what's coming, um, so that you don't get pushed around, so to speak. Uh, so you can do the negotiation or, or or be involved with your advisors, so you know what it looks like. And and be, all the work that you did, you know, two or three years beforehand, getting you know the the right sort of infrastructure, knowing how you build the asset value of your business. Uh, which is slightly different to just increasing the revenue. So keeping all of the, the assets up to speed, it's brilliant. And even though, even though we were small, um, even though we were small, I was very intentional in setting it up to where the, my, the way my employees were trained, it wasn't, you know, not everybody, nobody was sitting around going, oh, well, you know, what does Drake need me to do? So I, I even though I was a, a very functional part of the business, I made myself, a very interchangeable cog in the business to where it, anybody who was walking in who knew who knew anything or had any sort of infrastructure already, it was not going to be hard to replace Drake um, from uh, from a, a technical standpoint. So it wasn't like I was I was keeping the structure of the company and the structure of the network very simple so that anybody could walk in and very easily understand it. So even though I was very much a part of the business, I was trying to build it so that I was replaceable and not everything was relying on me. And did you have systems doc and processes documented? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we had systems. The, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we so that was part of my my preparation was going and having systems documented and having 
you know, my staff, um, I was, if there was one thing I was crazy about was really good training. And I mean, let's be real, the internet is kind of a crazy, weird thing that, you know, everybody needs, but nobody completely understands. Um, and having my staff well-trained to where when we got acquired, um, if you would, were to take the acquiring company staff member at a position and then our mm -hmm. staff member at a position, um, my staff members were doing their job better than they were, plus another half a step above what they were doing. So they were just incredibly well-trained. I think some of it was because of the exposure that I had where I'm just, hey, you know, here's some of the neuro-linguistic programming that we're doing when we're having our conversations with our customers. Here's a specific way that we communicate. Here's how we talk about the internet. Here's how we sell the internet. Because realistically, everybody, this is positioning is really important and positioning and messaging. So when you're positioning and messaging your business, you need to position it and message it to what your customer actually wants. Um, if you look at internet service providers, they have you know all these speeds and everything, and nobody really knows what that is or what that means. They're using it kind of as a false flag to pretend that they can compare things across multiple service providers. When the reality is what somebody wants is they want to come home from work, they want to sit down in front of their TV, they want to turn on Netflix and they want it to work. If it doesn't work, they want to be able to call somebody and get it fixed immediately, or if it's a big issue, get it fixed within 24 to 48 hours. That's really all they want. And so that's how we we actually sell that to customers. And we don't focus on we don't focus on the number that they don't understand. We go, hey, how many people are in how many people are in your household? And what do they usually do? How do you use the internet? How do you experience the internet? Because you know, the easy thing for me to do is to just, you know, sell you our most expensive package, but you might not need that. And as soon as you say that to a customer, all of a sudden this thing that they don't understand, that they have some some a little bit of anxiety about. Um, and when everyone else has that difficult process of going through and selling something they don't understand and you make it easy and understandable and all of a sudden all the walls and barriers that they had going into that interaction, those drop away. Yeah. And then even walking through troubleshooting of explaining to the customer, hey, here's how your devices actually connect and here's how that actually works. And even if they don't completely understand it, they feel empowered, like they have an idea what's going on. And that just changes the dynamic of a customer experience. And, you know, it helps them walk through any self-diagnosis that they have to do. And then when we're able to show up and we're on site to fix something, we know more, we have a better, a, a better way of understanding what the actual problem is. So we can laser focus in on fixing that. And so those are just the little things that, when you're able to articulate that to somebody, um, to a potential acquirer, it's like, oh, wow, this is, I'm not just buying how things operate in my, I'm buying something with very highly trained, specialized people for this. Yeah. And it's quite a skill to get something, talk about something quite technical in simple everyday English. Um, and, and when you do, people, users, customers, you know, whoever you're talking to appreciate it. Um, yeah, and they're not aware of it at the time, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, it just happens and they just have a positive conversation rather than walking away and going, well, they, yeah, they're just talking jinganese to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then they're frustrated. Yeah. And that, that happens in a lot of professions, a lot of industries. Mm -hmm. so, so, Drake, you sold the business. It's a couple of years ago now. Um, what are you up to now? 
So now um, on to my next startup. Uh, <laughs> so right now uh, with podcasting, with the short form video, with TikTok taking off, um, you're seeing a massive rush uh, for uh, short form video and the way that that leads to discovery of longer form videos. It can lead to discovery of different uh, different podcasts. And so what, what we're jumping into with uh, my best friend, um, who was my business partner in the first company we started, he's a two-time Emmy award-winning producer. And we're actually uh, helping uh, leaders uh, create, uh, create content uh, at scale. And so the way that we're doing our process of, of creating everything allows leaders to actually uh, get their message out in a meaningful way um, and do it uh, in as little as one hour a week and have enough video content to feed the algorithms that are super hungry right now. Uh, you've got, like I said, uh, YouTube shorts and Instagram reels are all trying to copy TikTok. And so when you have major multi-billion dollar media and companies competing to try and give you views, uh, that's the type of uh, the type of let's just call it the once in a decade event that's happening right now um, that we're looking to help people take advantage of. Brilliant. So uh, the mind's still going, racing uh, a million miles an hour, solving oh, yeah. problems. I took a break. I took a little break, but but I I I, I can't. You know, I, I can't take. I can't stop. I can't. I gotta keep going. <laughs> well, that's an entrepreneur for you. So yeah. hey. Jake, really enjoyed talking to you. I've got one last question for you, if I may, and that's, look, we've 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 covered a fair bit of ground in today's conversation, and and yeah, I, I could keep asking you questions for for another couple of hours, but but what's the key message that you know we've got a number of business owners out there who are listening, and they're starting to think about how do I exit my business? You've been through the process. What's the one key message you want them to take away from this conversation we've had today? Don't wait. Don't wait to prepare. Don't wait to talk to somebody. Don't wait to reach out to. Um, don't wait to reach out to to an expert. Um, don't wait to start getting your books in order and start to start to prepare. Do your do your diligence. Do your research. And you know that day is coming. And if it doesn't come, you know you're going to be forced into a corner, and you don't want to do that. So just just get out there. The resources are out there. The people are out there. Jump in and. And start to figure it out because especially there's you know so many so many boomers that are you know starting to go i want to retire reach out to somebody talk to somebody engage somebody and and, and start to figure it out because you don't want to get caught you know on your back foot if you can go into something ahead of the game then you can start to define your terms and name your terms as opposed to having the terms named for you that's fantastic advice, Drake. Thank you. I really appreciate you joining us on the Exit Insights podcast today. Thanks. Appreciate it.